The physical changes are secondary. It's the mental transformation that gets people hooked on health and fitness. Welcome to the Mental Reps Podcast, where you've come to grow your mind in order to transform your body. I'm your host, Deanna. Let's dive right in. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Mental Reps Podcast. And for anyone new here, hi. Thank you so much for joining. My name is Deanna and I am the host of this wonderful podcast. We do release new episodes every single Thursday, 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the dot, getting your day started on the right foot on a Thursday every single day week. So as the name kind of mentions, you know, this podcast, this show, I cover a lot of mindset, right? And making sure that you are building and creating a mindset necessary to handle, to accomplish, to achieve quite literally anything you set out to do, specifically speaking, health and fitness. That is my passion. That is who I am to my core, to my bones. And a lot of my success experiences, you know, lessons learned, has come down to my mindset and being able to be mentally tough enough and mentally disciplined enough to go after what I want and to achieve it. So a lot of what I share on this show is personal experience, as well as just my best tips, tricks, strategies, anything that I want to impart on you, you being the listener, um, just to make sure that you are, again, building that mindset necessary to achieve whatever it is you want and, and taking it a step further than health and fitness as well. Something that I have noticed and definitely can attest to is how you do one thing is how you do everything. So if you're building this badass mindset around the gym and your nutrition and making tough choices and, you know, setting goals and exceeding them and showing up for yourself every day, if you're doing all of that from a health and fitness perspective, I guarantee you are going to show up as that person in every other aspect of your life. And how freaking cool is that? So the Mental Reps Podcast, we are diving into a Q&A for today's episode I put up the question box on my Instagram a couple of days back, and I got quite a few, a good variety of different questions from all of you. Um, I did wind up kind of weeding through, and I'm going to only be answering a, a select handful of questions. Reason being is we had some repetition in there, and a lot of the questions that were asked are way more thoroughly answered and gone over in other episodes on this very show. So If I don't get to your question, there's a good chance my answer is hidden amongst these episodes. Do a little digging. You will find some good information there. Uh, But yeah, let's, let's dive right in. Okay, so question number one reads, can you explain what happens to your body when you lift heavy and consistently eat at your maintenance calories? So just to go over this a little bit, maintenance calories are, you know, neither a calorie deficit nor a surplus. You are simply eating enough to basically maintain your weight. Um, maintenance is a phase of your health and fitness journey, just like cutting, just like bulking. It's it's all part of a plan. It's all part of whatever you need to do in order to reach your goals, specifically maintenance, meaning you have done a lot of those phases and you're kind of happy with the way you look. You're kind of loving, you know, the progress that has come from it. And now you just want to chill out and do and live that out, right? Live out all the, all of your hard work. So when you are eating at around maintenance calories, but you're also kind of partaking in a pretty regular strength training program, you are lifting heavy, you are, you know, picking shit up and putting it down a few good times a week. Um, what will happen more than likely is you will be able to go through a little bit more of a body recomposition. Meaning if you weigh 150 pounds on the scale and you're eating at maintenance, right? You're not really losing. So you're not gonna really dip too much below that 150. 
but you're not eating in a surplus. So you're not really going to gain too much above that 150. When you are participating in strength training, that lifting will be building muscle. Now, the best way and body recomposition, the best thing you can do is lifting. And the reason I say that is because the lifting will build muscle while you are also kind of burning body fat. Now, with any phase of health and fitness, cutting, bulking, maintenance, you know, building muscle, losing fat, it, it, it is not a here's what happens X, Y, Z for everyone. This is not a one size fits all program. This is not a one size fits all results. Like everyone's body metabolism, muscle, strength, body fat, everybody's body will respond differently. So, and you guys will probably notice this too. A lot of the questions that I'm being asked, I can answer with, it depends. And that answer sucks. So I'm trying my best to at least give some insight to each of these questions for the individuals who did ask them. But bottom line is when you are eating at maintenance and you are lifting, you are putting your body in an ideal spot to be going through a body recomposition phase. You maybe will lose a little bit of body fat, right? Because as you're lifting, you're building muscle and that muscle is now burning more calories at rest. So essentially what could happen then is your maintenance calories could actually turn into a calorie deficit. And then you get to eat a little bit more. Why? Because you built up that muscle and lean muscle is a calorie burning furnace. The more muscle you have on your body, the more you can eat and maintain your weight. So there is no, you know, if you do this, this is what happens. If you eat this many calories, you lose this much weight. And that's a big thing that a lot of people fall into with social media and people, you know, fitness influencers all over the internet is, oh, they're eating 2,100 calories. I should do that. They're lifting four days a week. I should do that. If I do what they do, I will look like them. And that is so far from the truth. Like I mentioned earlier, everybody's body responds so differently to any small changes. Someone's body can adjust and change with, you know, 50 calorie difference a day versus someone else needs to change their calories by 100 to 200 on a weekly basis in order for that progress to occur. It comes down to so much and that's why it is so individualized. Um, So my best piece of advice, if you are just getting into strength training and you are just getting into lifting, eating around your maintenance calories and expecting the scale to kind of stay right where it's at is a good thing. You'll probably notice that your muscles feel a little bit bigger, a little bit more inflated. You'll feel a little bit tighter, maybe clothes fit a little bit better, but the scale doesn't necessarily change. That's because some of your body fat came off and you replaced it, not one-to-one, but you replaced it in a sense with some lean muscle mass, which is a lot tighter and a lot more compact. Next question is, biggest fitness setback you had to personally overcome? Ooh, I did talk about this a little bit on a previous episode. Um, To sum it up, and I'm going to try to make these questions as like rapid fire, answer, answer, answer as possible. I know I talk a lot. That's why I have a podcast. The biggest fitness setback I had to overcome was just learning the actions necessary to reach the goals that I had and making sure that my actions aligned with said goals. Um, For a while, I had no idea what the fuck my goals were. Like I just went to the gym. I, you know, graduated college. I was an athlete my whole life. I never had fitness goals. Like, of course, I wanted to look good while I was doing gymnastics. Like I wanted, but it was more so from a perspective of like, I needed to be in shape in order to flip my body around everywhere. So it never really even dawned on me to like try to decide what I wanted to look like. So identifying my fitness goals was probably, you know, obstacle number one. And once I overcame that, it was deciding and being able to figure out and learn what was necessary in order to achieve the goal, look, physique that I wanted. And it really did came, it really came down to learning that I need to eat. I need to eat food. 
I need to fuel my body more, more, more in terms of activity is not always better. Um, and really just learning how to listen to what my body needed. If I was constantly starving, like why am I, you know, pushing that off? Why am I saying like, no, I'm not, I'm fine. I'm good. I don't have to eat. I'm good. Why push that off? If I'm super sore, super tired, why am I not listening to that and heading my ass to the gym? Like to really sum it up, it came down to, and this is still something I struggle with for sure. My biggest setback was learning to listen to what my body actually needed and not listening to the crazy voice in the back of my head that was telling me to go to extremes with everything, cutting calories, extra cardio, a million workouts a week, working out for multiple hours of the day, like just turning that voice off and paying a lot more attention to the voice that I knew, the voice of reason that I knew at the end was was correct, but is a lot harder to listen to. And I think everyone kind of struggles with that a little bit. But for me specifically, it definitely was the nutrition side of things and learning that I, no matter how hard I worked, no matter what I did, how much cardio, I cannot outwork my shit ass diet. I just couldn't. It really came down to like, wow, every day I'm in the gym busting my ass to simply just look the same. Like all my workouts were doing were, you know, backpedaling on all the shit I ate the day before. Like it was just a mess. It it was a mess and nutrition and listening to my body were absolutely the two biggest setbacks that I had to overcome. And honestly, I, I still struggle with today. All right. Next question says cutting for summer but I end up eating and giving into my hunger levels. Help, I'm so hungry. Okay, if you, whoever asked this question, if they're listening or if anybody else listening to this show right now is going through a little bit of a cut for summer and you're like, holy F, I'm starving all the time. This is what I signed up for. Are you fucking kidding? Like, I can't stick to this. Long and short, you wind up overeating or overconsuming something usually at the end of the day, right? When your willpower is down, hunger levels are way up, you overdo it. If that is you and that is the situation you are in, I can almost 90% guarantee the calories that you are trying to follow on a daily basis are too low. A calorie deficit should be, you know, should give you a little bit of hunger cues, should leave you, you know, kind of wanting more at the end of your meal. It should not be this, I am ravenously hungry all hours of the day until I just quite literally need to eat this entire bag of Doritos or I will pass out. That is not a calorie deficit that is sustainable for anybody. And the bottom line with any phase that you're in, cutting, bulking, maintenance, it has to be sustainable. If you can't stick to your calories for the day, a a single day at a time, there is no amount of work that you're going to put in that's going to make you stick to it. The only way a calorie deficit works, the only way you can cut for summer and cut body fat for summer is if you do that consistently. So if you are super hungry and you are struggling to comply with whatever that target is, wherever you found that number, chances are it is too low. What you should do is Say you're, you're trying to eat a thousand calories for the day, just for even numbers, and you cannot do it. First off, that is super low. There's no surprise there. What you should do is start to slowly work that number up until you reach a point where you can stick to it, but you're not overdoing it. So maybe for you, that's, that's more like 15, 1600 and you're still seeing progress on the scale. You're still seeing a little bit of body fat come off. And, and I'm not talking about in a day of hitting 1500 calories. I'm not talking about in a week or two weeks. I'm talking about after a few weeks, if not months of strict consistency, you should be seeing some progress from it. If you are not, then you can lower it down a little bit more. But bottom line is nothing that you do for a day or two at a time is going to pay off enough to see any sort of progress or results from it, especially when you are cutting for the summer. 
Next question is, biggest piece of advice you would give to your former self on sacrificing for your goals? I love this question. Reason being, the old me couldn't sacrifice for shit. It was all in or all out, right? That all or nothing mindset of I'm eating everything. I'm going out all the time. I'm doing this, that, everything in excess. And then I'd hit a wall and be like, fuck, I hate this. I hate the way I feel. And I would retreat back into the other end of the spectrum of going all in on nutrition, only eating healthy food, only eating from home, never going out, this, that, the other thing. And hey, that's not sustainable either. So the biggest thing that I would tell my former self is that sacrifice is a necessary piece of the puzzle. It is not a suggestion. It is not a luxury. It is not a, oh, that would be nice. It is necessary. If you are currently not in the body of your dreams, you are not physically where you want to be, you don't feel energetically the way you want to feel, you cannot continue the same habits you're doing now and expect any different result from that, right? If you're going out five nights a week, you're only hitting the gym sometimes, you're kind of loosely tracking, but not really, whatever it is, if you continue those habits, those routines, you're going to continue to look and feel exactly as you are. Those habits are what got you there. If you no longer want to be there, you need to change your habits. And what I started telling myself and what I would go back and tell myself is that there is no... I don't even know, you know, food, this, that. There is nothing in the moment that is worth it to me to sacrifice what I'm after most. Like the body of my dreams, the way I want to look, the image that I have in my head when I picture like, wow, I've made it. I don't even know if that girl exists, but like, you know, we're striving for something. That that image in my head, that's not worth going out and and blowing it on my macros four nights a week. That's not worth going out and and getting Taco Bell after a night of drinking. That's not worth like, there is no, what's the moment on the lips, lifetime on the hips, like kind of playing into that a little bit where of course you want to make memories. You want to do things. You want to live your life. Like you can't have a healthy lifestyle without a life. You, You want to be able to do things, but you have to do it within reason. The old you would go out and order six drinks every time you went out, right? Those are the habits that got you to where you are. The new you needs to make sacrifices in order to look and feel different. That's not going extreme to extreme. Six drinks to I'm never going out again. That's I used to go out and order six drinks. Now I'm going to go out and order three drinks. That's a sacrifice worth making. That's an easy progression. And that's a habit you can build on. What happens then? Maybe six months down the line, the new you orders three drinks when you go out and you're like, hmm, I want a little more out of this whole health and fitness thing. I want to see a little bit more progress. Maybe then instead you order two drinks or you order one drink, like building on those sacrifices instead of creating this drastic, I have to go from all the way over here to all the way over here in order to see any sort of progress at all. Cause that's simply not true. So if I were to go back and give myself advice, I would tell myself that the sacrifice for what I want most is always worth it in the end. Hear me out. That's always the harder decision. Making any kind of sacrifice, health and fitness related or not, making a sacrifice for what you want most versus what you want now is probably one of the hardest things mentally to do. It comes with practice, just like anything else. Making a sacrifice that one time, you know, saying no to another round of drinks, if that's what you're, you're you know, pick your poison, if that's what you struggle with, making that sacrifice one time, it gets easier. 
it gets easier and easier and easier until you can go out and you can balance all of these things with ease. And hey, you are living a healthy lifestyle. You've got a life, you're going out, you're doing your things, but in the back of your head and always what's most important is, you know, what matters to you after this night out, after this meal, after this vacation. So always playing the long game in terms of building habits that you can stick with, but being well aware of the fact that every decision you make right here, right now in this moment will affect the person that you want to be, you know, six months down the line. Oh boy. Okay. I am, I'm struggling with this next question, guys. The question reads, would you rather never eat sweets again or never hit legs again? Now, if you guys know me, you know, and if you don't know me, those are my two near and dear loves in my lives, right? Sweets, chocolates, cupcakes, cookies, desserts in general, and a fucking killer leg day. Like th- that is it. If you were to describe me in, in two things, there, there you go, right there, one and two. Now, would you rather never eat sweets again or never hit legs again? Ooh, I think right now in this phase of my life, in in being 23 years old and being a little bit addicted and a little bit obsessed with the gym. And and I think I would rather, I can't even say it. I think I would rather never eat sweets again. Oh my goodness. I don't even know if I can really say that. I can't commit to that. But if I were to choose right now in my current phase of life, I would never eat sweets again. And the reason I picked that is because I like, like that's just, that's, that's bay right there. Leg day, like freaking Saturday leg day in the gym. Sign me up, you know, six days a week if I could. And if I cut sweets out, in theory, I would be able to make a little bit more progress with all those leg days. So it's kind of like one is helping the other. Now, if you were to ask me this question when I'm like, you know, in my 30s, 40s, not fully addicted and obsessed with the gym and working out, I would probably say, fuck a leg day, I'll take the sweets, please. So that is a very hard decision to make. But for the time being, that is my decision. Okay, so next question, a little bit more serious. How do you avoid becoming complacent? What drives you to find new challenges? Oh, I really like this question. Um, and kind of something I never never thought about too much. I am a very uh, goal-oriented person. I am a very much success-driven, goal-oriented, you know, what can I check off my list? How can I progress? Where can I succeed? I am an Enneagram type three, which if any of you know what that means, this makes sense to you. Um, but if you don't, Enneagram type three, it's, it's a personality type. And a lot of it is derived from when you grew up and how you grew up in your childhood. And it kind of forms you into the person you are today. Now, type threes in general are very success oriented, very goal, you know, what can I do? How can I succeed? And a lot of that, unfortunately, and I will admit this wholeheartedly, comes down to having a certain appearance, right? Like how do others view me if I succeed at this? You know, if I do X, Y, and Z, like how good will that make me look to everyone else? And of course, I don't think like that, but I do believe and I do agree with the fact that a lot of the success, I think that most people want in their life, yes, it's for you, but it's also like a little bit of clout too, to kind of rub it in, you know, everybody's face and be like, wow, I'm freaking crushing it. And that just feels good. I don't care who you are. That feels good to succeed. Now, what keeps me from becoming complacent? I think... I'm almost so non-complacent to a fault where like, I don't know how to relax. I don't know how to take the day off or to take a chill pill or like not be working on something. And I will admit wholeheartedly again, that drives me fucking crazy sometimes because I have to quite literally tell myself to relax a lot, like more than I could admit. But again, I think I would rather be that way than the other way. But 
what what keeps me going? I think uh, this is a hard question. I have a, an image, a very blurry, fuzzy outline of where I see myself, the lifestyle I live, you know, the house that I'm in, the clothes that I'm wearing, the job, the career. Like I have, and I can't explain it to you because it's very cloudy, very blurry, and the you know details have not quite been sorted out yet. But I have this idea of myself. And that bitch is living large, okay? And you know what? At the end of the day, what helps me not become complacent is because I'm not there yet. I haven't even scratched the surface of what it's going to take to get there. So although it's nice some days to rest and kick my feet up and, you know, finish up work early and sit on the couch, like I can't let myself do that because there's so much more work to be done. And what's really cool about that is when you're working on yourself and you're working on your life and the lifestyle you want to build, like you should be freaking excited to hop up and get going. You should be excited for the next project you've got to work on. You should be excited for the fact that you're staying up late, working on you, doing this, like that grind time. That's what keeps me going. Because at the end of the day, nothing is guaranteed. I can't guarantee that the work I'm putting in now is going to lead me to where I want to be. But I can bet my ass that not putting in the work now is definitely not going to get me there. So when I start to get a little tired, a little lazy, like it's less about setting a new challenge for myself and more so just reminding myself of exactly where I want to be and what the heck I need to do today to get one step closer. Next question, a little bit more towards nutrition is... Is it okay or is one protein bar a day okay if the majority of my food are whole foods? Majority of my foods, I think that's supposed to say, are whole foods. The short answer, yes, of course. The majority of your foods for anybody, you want to be consuming whole foods. And by whole foods, I mean like can you go find this out in nature? The answer is no, then it's probably processed. If it came in this cute, decorated, you know, packaged up, it's processed. And if you can avoid eating processed foods to any capacity for most of your calories, most of your days, most of your weeks, your body's going to feel so much better, so much better. Now, that's hard to do, right? Most of us are on the go. We're packing things here, there. We're on the move. Like that is very, very challenging to completely avoid anything processed. Like it's just not reasonable. But what you don't want to do is then rely so heavily on those process options, specifically protein. Most people now, just with the growth of health and fitness and nutrition information out there, most people are well aware of the fact that they need to be eating a decent chunk of protein every single day. Where most people go wrong is saying, oh, cool, I found these protein pancakes and I found this protein bar I really like and I'm going to have a protein shake after the gym and I found this protein ice cream. How cool is that? And then by the end of the day, they've consumed no actual protein and all they've done is consume processed crap that's going to make their stomach hurt, digestion hurt, going to probably make you feel really bloated. It's just not good for you, especially in that quantity. So a good rule of thumb is no more than one serving of processed protein daily. So that can be your scoop of protein in your post-workout shake. Boom, done. Get the rest of your grams of protein from chicken, ground turkey, Greek yogurt, actual food sources. So one protein bar a day is same thing, one serving, totally fine. Bottom line is if you can cut it out from time to time, sure, go for it. Don't, you know, rely on that one protein bar. More so make that protein bar like in a case of emergency, you have it in your bag with you. If you're running low on, you know, X, Y, and Z, go for it. 
I try my very best to do no more than one serving. I do about a half a scoop of protein and a half a scoop of collagen, which also is protein in my oatmeal in the morning. And I try to pretty much leave it at that. So one protein bar a day, not bad. Again, if you can swap it out for whole food, your body will probably thank you for it, but tops one serving. Next question says, I am in a program to gain muscle and there is no cardio included. Should I still have a step goal daily? So this is one of those, it depends type of questions. In general terms, if you are looking to gain muscle, uh, it is more than likely necessary to be eating in a slight calorie surplus, meaning you are eating more calories than you're burning every day. If you were to add in cardio to your already active, you know, muscle building strength regimen, essentially all you're doing is burning more calories which would then lead to needing to eat even more calories in order to reach a true surplus. So for example, if you were to burn 2000 calories a day, no cardio, just with the the lifts that you're doing to gain muscle, you burn 2000 calories and you are now consuming around 2200, right? A very small calorie surplus to build muscle. Awesome. What happens if you then add in a few cardio sessions a week? Now on those days you added in cardio, you burned an extra 300 calories, your small calorie surplus of 2200 is no longer putting you in a surplus. So you would have to be eating even more for that day, which it does come down to a point of it's hard to eat eat a ton of food, right? Especially for women and for females, it's very unnatural for us to be eating so, so much being that we usually, most of us came from a pretty strict dieting history. So To gain muscle, cardio is not necessary, but if you want to look after your overall health and your cardiovascular health and just the movement of your body, I would recommend still hitting a step goal daily of 10,000 steps um, just to be active. You don't need to be, you know, sprinting on the treadmill in order to hit that step goal. You don't need to be doing these crazy hikes every day to hit the step goal. Like just Be active and be mindful of your movement throughout the day to hit about 10,000, I would say. Again, depends on the person and you should be good to go to still build strength, but still be looking after your overall health as well. Okay, next question says, these two, actually the next two are about tracking and tracking your food. So first one says, do spices like cinnamon, salt, and pepper have calories in them? Short answer, I don't freaking know. I don't think so. And you know why I'm saying that? Because you're overcomplicating it. If you're tracking your food and you're worried about how many calories the cinnamon you sprinkled onto your oats, your oatmeal in the morning, if you're worried about the calories in that, you're overthinking it, bro. You are way overcomplicating the process. I don't track personally any of my spices, any of my seasonings. They're going to have, you know, a very minuscule amount of calories. If that in it, it's not worth the hassle. It's not worth the time. And that's why people give up and give in on tracking is because they have that approach. Track the majority of your food. Be okay with a little bit of a margin of error, doing the absolute best you can, and you will be totally fine. Next question about tracking says, how slash if or how slash do you track your food when going out to eat at restaurants, cafes, etc.? So personally speaking, yes, I will always track my food and kind of going back to what I just said, well aware of the fact it's not going to be perfect. I do not know exactly precisely how many calories are in the vanilla caramel latte that I just ordered. I don't know exactly how many calories are in the blueberry muffin that I went to go with it. But what I would do is pull up my fitness pal. And there's one of two options. Option one would be to find a similar restaurant, a similar cafe, a similar you know spot that does in fact have their nutrition info on my fitness pal. A lot of places do. You'll be surprised. 
For example, if you're going out to eat at an Italian restaurant, it's like a little mom and pop shop, you're super excited, you're going out for your grandma's birthday, you're ordering the chicken parm, you're so pumped about it. The reality of it is we have no idea how many calories are in, you know, old Luigi's chicken parm that he just served you on your plate. You have no idea. You really don't. So what what do we do? We take our best guess. What my brain does is then say, okay, hmm, what's a similar restaurant? What's a restaurant that I know has their nutrition info in my fitness pal? And the reason my brain does this, guys, is because I've been doing this for so long. Like practice, 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 and you will develop these habits as well. Right off the top of my head, I know for a fact that Cheesecake Factory has all of their nutrition info on my fitness pal. And I also know for a fact Cheesecake Factory's menu is freaking gigantic. There's a very good chance whatever you're ordering at old Uncle Luigi's Italian spot is probably in some capacity on their menu as well. So what I would do is look up Cheesecake Factory on my fitness pal. I would find their chicken parm entree and I would log that in. Now, is that 100% accurate? Hell no. Is it way better than me trying to guesstimate exactly what? Yes. Is it enough to keep me as on track as I need to be? Absolutely. And that's how you create a little bit of a balance there. You're still going out to eat. You're still ordering the chicken parm. You're still enjoying your grandma's birthday with everyone. You didn't bring your own food in your own container, but you're taking the initiative to log that in, make it fit for your macros for the day, and do the best you possibly can in that situation. That is all you need to do. Same thing applies with that cafe restaurant you know, example too, like, a a vanilla caramel latte. What is my brain going to do? Oh, I'm going to look up the menu at Starbucks because I know for a fact all of their macros are listed in. So I will log in a vanilla caramel, whatever XYZ that I got and do the best I can. Is it exactly the same? Probably not. Is it close enough to be as accurate as I need to be? Yes. So that was option number one is to find a restaurant that has comparable food choices so that you can, you know, do a one-to-one with that. Option number two is to quite literally just guess. Back to the blueberry muffin. I have no idea how many calories in a blueberry muffin, and I cannot think of a restaurant off the top of my head that has nutrition info for a blueberry muffin. But what do I know? I know that muffins have a lot of carbs, a lot of fat, and they're usually pretty calorie dense. So I'm going to pull up my fitness pal. I'm going to search in blueberry muffin, and I'm going to see what the options look like. There's going to be a good range. There's going to be some that say like 50 calories, some that say 200, some that say 1,000. There's going to be a good range. What you want to do and the option you want to pick is meeting in the middle geared a little bit more towards the higher side. So if you have options all the way down at 5 calories and you have options all the way at 1,000, you want to probably log your blueberry muffin right around the 600 calorie mark, a little bit more than that halfway point. You want to make sure there's carbs in there. You want to make sure there's fat in there. You want to make sure for some weird reason, it doesn't say that your blueberry muffin is, you know, 50 grams of protein because let's be real, it is not. And we do the best we can and we move about the rest of our day. So that's how I track restaurants. That's how I track cafes, things like that. Um, I won't always do this. If I, you know, am going out, I have no idea. I'm in a pinch, whatever. I won't track it. I'll just make the best choices possible while I'm there. But if I am tracking, that's the way I approach it. And the last question that I will be answering for today says, how did you start your fitness journey? I love a little backstory. So I, for anyone who does not know, I feel like I don't mention it too, too much on here. I was a gymnast for my entire life. 
I started gymnastics at the age of three years old, little mommy and me classes, nothing crazy, nothing serious. Obviously stuck with it for quite a bit, got pretty good at what I was doing. And I wound up as a, I didn't wind up, I earned a spot as a division one gymnast at the University of Maryland. Um, which was the highest level of gymnastics I had ever anticipated doing. It's a huge accomplishment. My my goodness, it was it was quite the experience. Anyway, gymnastics was my life. I grew up as an athlete. I was in practice, you know, many, 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 many hours of every day, every week. I think growing up, if I could think back, like I'm fairly certain I had practice four hours a day. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I remember always having Wednesdays off growing up, like through middle school and things like that, because I couldn't wait for Wednesdays of the week. And Wednesdays would be the day I caught up on all my homework. And I know we had Sundays off. But Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday was four hour practices every single day. Every day, every freaking day. I could I could do a whole episode on what my schedule used to look like. It was borderline crazy. Anyway, I was always an athlete. So that's kind of where my fitness journey started. And that's how I fell in love with, you know, moving my body and workouts. And I mean, I was doing conditioning and pull-ups and all these crazy things at the age of like six or seven, because as a gymnast, you need incredible strength and a lot of body weight strength. So my, my muscle mass, my foundation of movements and things like that, um, a ton of it comes from gymnastics and, and doing that for, you know, 18 years of my life. But my actual, you know, health and fitness journey, quote unquote, didn't really start until gymnastics was done. Um, when I was done with actually competing in around April of my senior year of college, we graduated in May. And, you know, as soon as gymnastics was done, I started going to the gym in my apartment complex. I started writing up my own workouts. I was no longer lifting and doing strength workouts with the team and with trainers. It was just me. That's when I started kind of tracking on my fitness pal, learning the ins and outs of nutrition, making a fuck ton of mistakes. It all started right around 2019 when I graduated. So I have been an athlete. I have been on a fitness journey of sorts for my entire life, but it was a lot more athletic based and a lot more just doing what was told of me. Um, the only time, or I guess the first time it became really independent and more my goals, my programming, my workouts, you know, me going to the gym was right around May of 2019. So it was a lot. It was very hard graduating college, being an athlete for my entire life to not being an athlete, not having anyone to answer to, not having workouts written up for me or needing to go to practice. It was really freaking hard to be able to navigate those waters. And I did talk about this a little bit on a, one of my first episodes as well. Um, but that's kind of how my fitness journey started. And we are rocking and rolling ever since with absolutely no anticipation and no expectation of stopping anytime soon. So that will wrap up today's Q&A episode. Again, if I did not answer your question, my apologies. I tried to pick out, you know, the overwhelming majority of topics from the ones that were asked. And if you want further information on any of these, a lot, like I said, of the details and more in-depth responses are kind of scattered throughout a lot of my previous podcast episodes regarding, you know, cutting for the summer, motivation versus discipline, just things like that to wrap your brain around kind of what's necessary in this phase of your life if you are embarking on a health and fitness journey. So thank you guys so much for listening. Again, if you are new here, thank you for joining us and I will see you guys or talk to you guys, chat with you guys again next Thursday.